Well, praise the Lord. It's good to be back with you folks again. It feels like yesterday, but it's been a few months. And you have gone, you've lived your life, I've lived my life, and we're all very busy. But thankfully, we have the opportunity to come back every now and again to hopefully be an encouragement to you. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Uh, this morning, I want to speak on a topic that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, I always say that if a message doesn't impact my heart, how in the world can it impact your heart? And so I really want to be an encouragement to you this morning. But more than that, I want to be a challenge to you. And so this morning, I've entitled my message, A Ministry of Encouragement. A Ministry of Encouragement. If you guys have been listening, if you've been awake, if you've been alert to the sad state of this world, our country, our New England, uh, you've noticed uh, a shocking trend toward just being mean, you know, just vicious and cruel. And I'm always amazed when I, I see stuff happening, uh, how many uh, cell phones are out, and they're, they're not helping, they're just videoing it, you know. A lot of these people are self-proclaimed influencers. If you know anything about social media, that's the big thing now. I want to influence, you know, and how do I monetize that? So that's a new word, monetize. So how can I make my social media um, site make money? So that's, that's the big thing right now. It's just more uh, spectator, more watching instead of doing and being a help and being a blessing. And so the challenge this morning to us as Christians is that we would not have that mentality of being a spectator, but that we would get inv- engaged, get involved, participate, be active and our help with others. So Acts chapter 4, let's look in verse 32. This is a familiar passage. Uh, We've heard messages on it before, but hopefully this morning we will hear it with new ears and with a desire to make a difference. So uh, looking there in Acts chapter 4, let's look in verse 32 where it says, Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own. But they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked. For all who were possessors of the lands or houses sold them. And brought the proceeds of the things that were sold. And laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each as anyone had need. And Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated the son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus. And verse 37, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Let's pray. Father, this morning I pray that we would be here. Father, we've enjoyed the worship music, we've lifted your name, we've exalted your name, and Father, we've been moved by this video and just the amazing impact that Samaritan's Purse with these Christmas boxes has had, over 200 million boxes with the gospel in each one. Father, what a blessing, awesome, what an encouragement. Father, this morning I pray that we would be able to say something this morning in the next few minutes that will challenge us to be reminded that there are needs all around us, not just in this church, not just in our community, not just in the state of Rhode Island, but in New England and in our country and in our world. Father, it starts 
with us. We make the difference. And challenge us this morning to not think, oh, somebody else would do it. Father, we need to do it. I ask that you would just speak through your word this morning. Father, that we would be challenged by you and your Holy Spirit. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So Barnabas wrote no books. Uh, he spoke no prophecies. No one names their children after him. I don't think, I think the last time I heard someone named Barnabas was a, a dark uh, series back in the 60s. I forget the name of it. What was it called? Uh, dark Shadows, yeah. I've not met a Barnabas. That was the last Barnabas that I'm, and I, I, he was fake. He wasn't even real. But no one names their children after him. And, but yet he is one of the great men of the early church. He uh, was a part of a great group of encouragers. Barnabas was gold. And I believe that our churches should be filled with people like Barnabas. The name Barnabas is a nickname. At birth, he was named Joseph. But because of his character, he became known as Barnabas. Uh, the word bar means son of. Nabus means prophetic exhortation that encouraged or built people up. Anytime a person was called son of in the Jewish culture, they were defining their character. Calling Joseph Barnabas or son of encouragement was a huge compliment. It was an incredible honor to be called an encourager. It said that he was such an encourager that that is what was going, that was what we're going to call you because you're a person of encouragement. People who heard his name would immediately want to be around him. We don't get to pick our names or our nicknames. You know, I've heard the story from my parents that originally my name was supposed to be David, not Ken. And the only reason I'm not called David today, because my dad thought that was one of my mom's old boyfriend's names. <laughs> so I came this close to being called David. So my dad picked Kenneth, and that's what I've been. I've changed, shortened it a bit, and I'm Ken. I have never been Kenny, though. I will draw the line at Kenny. So we don't pick our names. That's what we're given at birth. But we're also, we don't always pick our nicknames either. And so sometimes, maybe you have a nickname, uh, and sometimes that's a positive thing, but maybe it's a negative thing. So those are things that people just assign to you. This morning, I want to talk about three things about how we can become an encourager. I want to challenge you this morning to... You know, one of the things that I've tried to do every time I've been here is to encourage you to do more of the things you're already doing. Your testimony as a church is that you love each other, that you're engaged in your community, and you're doing some cool things. And that really uh, stems from your leader, Pastor Chapman, great guy. Praise the Lord for a pastor that loves the Lord and loves you guys. And so I want to just encourage you to do even more than what you're already doing how we can become an encourager. So the first point in my message this morning is this. Give someone a chance. Give someone a chance. Let's turn to Acts chapter 9, verse 26. Acts chapter 9, verse 26. We're going to jump around a bit this morning as we look at this life of Barnabas. He doesn't appear very often in, in the New Testament, but when he does, it's always about one theme. It's about encouragement. Acts chapter 9, verse 26. 
It says, and then Saul had come to Jerusalem. He tried to join the disciples. Of course, you know Saul is Paul, the Apostle Paul, before uh, he, he became a Christian. He tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. I mean, who would have thunk it? You know, he was devastating the church. He was putting Christians in jail, and he was uh, consenting to some of their deaths. So they were afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. They were afraid of him. Verse 27, but Barnabas, there's our friend Barnabas, took him and brought him to the apostles. And he, Barnabas, declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. Look in verse 28. So he was with them at Jerusalem, coming in and going out. So Barnabas was a friend to the friendless. Here you've got Saul, later Paul. Nobody liked the guy. Why? Because of the stuff he had done to the church. They were afraid of him. But Paul had become a Christian, and all the disciples in Jerusalem were afraid of him, and they thought his salvation was fake and just a way to spy on the disciples. But I want you to hear what Barnabas thought. Barnabas believed in him and took the time to get to know him. Barnabas was willing to risk his good standing among the disciples to recommend Paul to the disciples. That was a big chance he took. I don't know if you've ever had to give a recommendation. I've been in leadership for many years, and every now and again someone will say, Ken, can you write me a recommendation? Which is an awesome request if the person that is asking is good to go. But what do you do with those people who are like, mm, I'm not really sure. I'm not going to lie, but how do I do it? Now, I guess you have a couple of choices. You can say, yes, I'll do it, but it's going to be truthful. It's going to be honest, or no, I can't give you that recommendation for whatever reason. Have you ever recommended a restaurant to a friend, and then they came back and said, that was a terrible recommendation. I hated that restaurant. I'm like, sorry, it was good to me. Um, a recommendation is a personal risk. Friendless people are desperate for an encourager. We've all been around people that just don't fit in. They're not quite there. They're not cool. And so they're lonely. They're isolated. They're desperate for someone to encourage them. I want to read a story that just impacted my heart. It's a little bit long, but uh, I think it really conveys what I want to share this morning. One day in my first year at high school, and it wasn't me, it's someone else, I saw a kid from my class walking home from school. His name was Kyle. Uh, I looked, he, it looked like he was carrying all of his books, and I thought to myself, why would anyone bring home all his books on a Friday? Weird. I shrugged my shoulders and went on. As I was walking, I saw a bunch of kids running toward him, they ran at him, knocking all his books out of his arms and tripping him, so he landed in the dirt. His glasses went flying. And I saw them land in the grass about 10 feet from him. He looked up, and I saw this terrible sadness in his eyes. My heart went out to him. So I jogged over to him, and as he crawled around looking for his glasses, I saw a tear in his eye. As I handed him his glasses, I said, those guys are jerks. They really should get a life. He looked at me and said, hey, thanks. There was a big smile on his face. It was one of those smiles that showed real gratitude. I helped him pick up his books and asked him where he lived. As it turned out, he lived near me. 
So I asked him why I had never seen him before. He said he had gone to a private school before now. He walked, we walked all the way home, and I carried his books. He turned out to be a pretty good guy. I asked him if he wanted to play football on Saturday with me and my friends. He said yes. We hung around together all weekend, and the more I got to know Kyle, the more I liked him. And my friends thought the same. Monday morning came, and there was Kyle with a huge stack of books again. I stopped him and said, you're going to get really big muscles, serious muscles, with this pile of books every day. He just laughed and handed me half of his books. Over the next four years, Kyle and I became best friends. When we were seniors, we began thinking about college. Kyle decided to go uh, to one in the city where he lived, and I wanted to attend one several hundred miles away. I knew that we would always be friends, but the miles would never be a problem. He was going to be a doctor, and I was going to be uh, going for business and a sports management degree. Kyle was the class speaker and had to prepare a speech. I was so glad it wasn't me having to get up there and speak. Graduation day came. And, um, and Kyle got up to give a speech. He cleared his throat and began, Graduation is a time to thank those who helped you make it through those tough years. Your parents, your teachers, your siblings, maybe a coach, but mostly your friends. I'm here to tell you that being a friend to someone is the best gift you can give them. I'm going to tell you a story. I just looked and watched with disbelief as my friend told the story of the first day we met. He had planned to kill himself over the weekend. He talked of how he had cleaned out his locker so his mother wouldn't have to do that later and was carrying all of his stuff home. He looked hard at me and gave me a little smile. Thankfully, I was saved. My friend saved me from doing the unspeakable. I heard the gasp go through the crowd as Kyle told us all about his weakest moment. I saw his mom and dad looking at me and smiling that same grateful smile. Not until that moment did I realize its depth. Never underestimate the power of your actions. With one small gesture, you can change a person's life. For better or for worse, God puts us all in each other's lives to impact one another in some way. Look for God in others. Is there someone you can be a friend to? As I lead a school there in New Hampshire, I'm always on the alert at lunchtime to look out for kids that are sitting by themselves. You know, those people that don't, just quite don't fit in. Maybe they're a little bit, you know, strange to world standards. And I want them to be connected. I want them to find friends. I want them to be loved. And so we need to make sure that we are on the alert to be that friend that God wants us to be to them. So this morning, let's give someone a chance. Number two, give someone a second chance. Give someone a second chance. Let's turn to Acts chapter 15, verse 36. Acts chapter 15 and verse 36. Once again, we're talking about Barnabas. Acts chapter 15, verse 36, and says, Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John Mark, John called Mark. And Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and not gone with them in the work. Then the contention became so sharp. Remember, these guys are friends, Paul and Barnabas. So sharp that they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed 
uh, being commended by the brethren uh, to the grace of the Lord. Barnabas was a friend to the outclass. Not only did he give people a second chance, but, or a first chance, but he gave them a second chance as well. He was a friend of the outcast. It's one thing to be a friend of the friendless. It's another thing to be a friend of shunned people. Barnabas sees the potential in someone despite a past problem or failure. When friends, Paul and Barnabas, start a second missionary journey, the friendship-ending dispute begins. Paul refuses to take John Mark with them. He has failed once, and he may fail again. We've all been there. You know, uh, someone has let you down. You depended on them. You, you wanted them to be uh, there and available and get it right, but they didn't. For whatever reason, they let you down. You're going to be very hesitant to, to trust them again. And I know there are situations where it's, it's merited, but in this situation, uh, Barnabas took the chance and gave John Mark another opportunity. He gives him a second chance. What must have been going through Barnabas' mind as he thought a, a time when no one would give Paul a chance? And now Paul was not willing to give John Mark a second chance. That, I'm sure that was going through his mind. Barnabas' work with John Mark paid off. John Mark, if you guys don't know, maybe you do know it, but he eventually becomes the human author of the Gospel of Mark. He was also instrumental in helping the Apostle Peter pen First and Second Peter. All because one guy said, I believe in you. I'm going to give you a second chance. There's really no reason why I should, but I'm choosing to be a blessing to you. In his last days, Paul even asked for John Mark. Don't turn here, but 2 Timothy 4.11 says this, Only Luke is with me. And this is toward the end of Paul. He's, he's going to die soon. He's going to be martyred. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark, yes, that same guy, and bring him with you. Notice what he says. For he is useful to me for ministry. And that is because of Barnabas. If Barnabas and Saul, later Paul, had said, yeah, that guy's a jerk. He can't be dependent on. Let's cut him loose. We have no idea the impact that that would have had on him where John Mark could have spiraled out and done and, and be done with serving God. But because Barnabas took a second chance and gave John Mark a second chance, he discipled and mentored this young man. He actually became profitable, not just to Paul, but to Peter as well. Sometimes our friendship is the only hope for an outcast. You met them. I have. They're the people that nobody else wants to be around. And it's not easy. You know, God has designed us to be social creatures, and we are. But for, I think sin has marred that where we only want to be around people that look like us and sound like us and talk like us. Anything that's different, like, no way, that might be weird, that's, too, that's scary, don't want to do it. People that are outcasts. Don't give up on people who have made mistakes. I remember in college, Baptist Bible College in Springfield, Missouri, it was my first year. I made a dumb choice. I did something that should have gotten me kicked out of school. And I was convinced I was done. 
you know, my church back home in Santa Fe, New Mexico, you know, I was, you know, they're the best that they could produce as a church, you know, that mindset. And here I was getting ready to get kicked out of school. Humiliating. I remember having a meeting with the dean of men, fully expecting him to kick me out of school. I deserved it. I, I should have been kicked out. But he said, Ken, I see something in you. And the consequences are going to be severe, but I'm not going to kick you out of school. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. And I, I paid those consequences. And I'm here today because that guy gave me a second chance. You know, as a leader of a school, I have the responsibility to mete out consequences. And I'm doing that every day. And, you know, being a person, a Christian, being a person who's been in ministry for a long time, I have to make some judgment calls. And sometimes all I have to go with is my impression of that person's character. If it's a person that keeps on making bad choices and has no remorse over those bad choices, then sometimes that decision is pretty easy. But sometimes people make an honest mistake, and maybe it's a bad one. But God will lead me to mentor and disciple and to encourage and to challenge. Still hold them accountable. And see what God does in that person's life. Barnabas was a friend to people who needed a second chance. Those who were outcasts. The third point I want to make this morning. Give someone a chance at your own expense. Give someone a chance at your own expense. Barnabas was a friend of others' success. Gradually, over a period of time, the team goes from being called Barnabas and Paul to Paul and Barnabas. We won't turn there, but we see that in Acts chapter 13. You notice there's a change in Acts chapter 13 where it starts off with Barnabas and Paul and then eventually changes to Paul and Barnabas. So Barnabas has taken a second seat. He takes the back seat. We can see from these passages that Barnabas, not officially, maybe internally, maybe when he's all, all, all alone, Barnabas had no problem taking the back seat or playing second fiddle or standing in the shadows while someone else is in the limelight. That is really difficult to do. You're working at your job, you're doing the best that you can, and someone else gets a promotion. And then someone else gets a promotion, and eventually you're working for those people. Maybe they started out the same, or maybe they started after you started working, and you don't get that promotion. That's tough, because as humans, we want to excel. We want to get that promotion. We want to have that authority. But if you don't get it, and someone else does, what's our attitude toward that person? I remember in the Navy, uh, you guys know that I spent 21 years in, in the Navy as a chaplain. I was about eight years into my active duty career, and uh, I was in Sicily. And a new guy came on that I went to chaplain school with. And can I just say unofficially, he was a jerk, still is. I still love the guy, but he's a jerk. Anyway, so he comes in. I can say that with no ill spirit. Uh, he comes in, and he just blows the, the base away. He's, you know, hobnobbing with the admirals, and he's hobnobbing with all the... He, he was one of those guys that was politically connected. So it comes up time every year in the, in the military, you get ranked. You know, you've got, you know, the, 
in, that, in this situation, I was a lieutenant. And so uh, you get ranked. And in the Navy, maybe in other branches as well, especially in the officer world, you, you get a certain uh, rating uh, in that ranking board. And if you ever go down below it, then you're not going to be able to promote. So this guy came in, and he jumped you know, in the rating above me. And um, from that point on, they actually called that the official kiss of death in your military career. And I thought that I could overcome that by, you know, going to Afghanistan, doing all the things that I did there, but I never was able to overcome it. And eventually in the Navy, I think in the, in the military in general, if you don't promote, you get out. So I spent 13 years active duty and then went into the reserves. But every year, you know, I would go before the promotion board with that kiss of death on my record, I would be passed over. I'd be passed over and passed over. So I experienced about 10 Passovers. Finally, in the reserves, was able to retire as a lieutenant commander. And it was really tough because I knew what that guy did. There was nothing I could do about it. I had a choice to have a bitter spirit toward him and the military in general or to choose to not necessarily be a cheerleader for him, but don't badmouth him. Because God knew best. And I look back now and I'm thinking, thank you, Jesus. Because I would not have experienced West Bay Christian Academy. I was there for almost three years. Uh, the school I'm at now. Or all the other awesome things that I, could have, that I did do if I had stayed active duty. God knows best. Even when the moment comes and you know you've been robbed and something that you just really have a hard time wrapping your brain about it, you look back and you say, God knew best. And praise the Lord, he's doing the same thing in your lives. At the moment, it might make you bitter. At the moment, it might cause you a lot of heartburn. At the moment, you might lose sleep. But in the end, God knows best. And I can think back at all the blessings that I experienced because I didn't get promoted. Are you that, in that situation today? Maybe someone else has got that promotion or maybe someone else has been exalted ab above you. Well, this is what happened to Barnabas. Paul came in and basically sucked all the air out of the room. And the guy had, he was, God had huge plans for Paul. But Barnabas did his part. He fulfilled his job. Paul was now in the limelight. Spurgeon said this, It takes more grace than I can tell to play the second fiddle well. Sometimes you're never going to be the boss. Sometimes you're never going to be the supervisor. Sometimes you're not going to be the big kahuna. Your job, my job, is to support them. Make them successful. And that was Barnabas' ministry. Barnabas had the ability to be overjoyed in the success of someone else, even what it meant a lesser position for himself. I guess what I'm trying to say this morning is, do you have a servant's heart? Do we have humility? It's tough because pride rears its ugly head and makes us want to, you know, subvert that person or knock that person down a few pegs. That's human. That's human nature. Humility. Romans chapter 12, verse 15 says this. Listen, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. How do you respond 
to someone else's success? How do you respond to someone else's success when they surpass you? We know how Barnabas reacted. And it was a testimony for him. He's in God's word because of that testimony. My goal this morning was to challenge you to become an encourager. Give someone a chance. Give someone a second chance. Be there. Even if someone else is exalted above you, still continue to support. When I get passed over, over and over and over and over again, my ministry did not change. My job was to be there for that sailor, that Marine, that Coast Guardsman, whatever. They didn't care that I didn't get promoted. They had needs. Their lives were falling apart. They didn't care that I was a lieutenant or a lieutenant commander or a commander. They didn't give a rip about that stuff. What they wanted to know is, what does God say about this? How can God help me with this situation? I could do that no matter what rank I had. Are you an encourager this morning? All of us need to be an encourager. And oftentimes we need encouragement from others. The goal of my message this morning is not to make you feel guilty about having to be tough sometimes. Listen to Matthew 18, verses 15 through 17. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if you will not hear, he will not hear. Take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be like a heathen and a tax collector. So sometimes someone makes a mistake and it is, rises to the level where the church is commanded to confront. If they refuse to repent, then that person is shunned. So there is a time and a place for that to occur. But I would say probably 90 or 95% of the time, our job is to confront and restore. Be a blessing, be an encouragement. There are times that we need to be tough. Most of the time, we need to love and encourage Barnabas was able to look at people as God looks at us. Barnabas saw beyond failure to, to restoration and value. Has someone been an encouragement to you when the chips were down? Did they come and hold out their hand and lift you up? Have you thanked them? I wish I could go back to that dean of men. I don't even think he's alive anymore. And to say, thank you for trusting me. Thank you for loving me enough to challenge me and give me a second chance. I'm going to close this morning with a poem. I love this poem. Listen to the words. It's not long. He says, I watched them tear down, uh, tear a building down, a band of men in a busy town. With a ho-heave-ho and a lusty yell, they swung a beam and a sidewalk fell. I asked the foreman, are these men skilled? And the men you've hired if they had to build? He gave a laugh and said, no, indeed, common labor is all I need. I can easily wreck in a day or two what builders have taken a year to do. And I thought to myself as I went on my way, which of these roles have I tried to play? Am I a builder who works with care, measuring life by the rule and square? Am I shaping my deeds to a well-made plan, patiently doing the best I can? Or am I a wrecker who walks down the town? 
content with the labor of tearing down. What, who are you? Are you the builder or are you the wrecker? People in this church, are you encouraging them? Are you loving them? Are you restoring them? People in your neighborhoods, people at your workplace, wherever people are, there are people who need encouragement. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to speak once again to Calvary. I ask God that you would challenge us this morning as we think about our responsibilities that we have, not just to you, but the people around us. And I ask God that you would remind us to be an encouragement. There are so many people, even right here in this sanctuary, who are devastated. They were up all night last night, crying, beseeching you, and they need to hear from someone. Father, help us to be that someone. Help us to have our spiritual antennas up where we can sense and see a change in a person's countenance to be able to reach out with a loving hand, maybe a hug, to help those who are hurting. Maybe some who are saying, this is it. I'm on my my last leg. Father, I pray that you would help us to be alert to those. And those who are struggling, those who are suffering this morning, I pray that they would look up and recognize that God loves them. He wants to work in their life. And maybe it's tough, and maybe they're going through a, a difficult season, but it won't last forever. Help them, Lord, to realize that they are loved and that they are completely accepted and acceptable to you. And I thank you, Lord, for that love. I ask that you would do your work in each of our hearts today, that we can make a difference in this mean world. We have an opportunity, Lord, to make a difference. May we see it. May we do it. Fortune Jesus' name we pray. Amen.